0: God's laid this message upon my heart today as we continue to talk about the disciplines, spiritual disciplines that need to be alive and well in our lives. And Pastor Gordon will be preaching in the upcoming weeks. I think he preaches the last two weeks of February. And we'll, um, you will not want to miss being here again to hear from God and to hear from him and to hear about some new disciplines that you can incorporate, incorporate into your life. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? That's what I've entitled today's message, Why Couldn't We? When they came to the crowd, Matthew 17, 40 through 20, there was a man and he approached Jesus and he knelt before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus said, with compassion. You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And they brought the boy to Jesus, and Jesus rebuked the demon, came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples, they came to Jesus in private and they asked, why couldn't we? Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, and I want you to hear this, church. Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Your faith is so little Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it doesn't get any smaller than that. Well, their faith was smaller than a mustard seed. But he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21 doesn't appear, although we see that it's not a part of this text. You can find it in some places. I don't know if you can find it in your Bible this morning. If you have a study Bible, there will be great explanation for you. But it says, let me sum it up. Jesus basically says that when we're dealing with something like this, This can only happen. This can only happen through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So the three things that I wrote down as I was putting this message together this week is prayer, and we talked about prayer last week, fasting and faith. That is a recipe... That is a a mix that gets God's attention. Things happen when the people of God pray, fast, and have faith to back it all up. You know, all throughout Scripture in both the Old and New Testaments, we see the importance of prayer and fasting. Fasting is the boost to our prayer life. It gives our prayer life a great boost when we fast. The, disciple, the discipline of fasting is a common practice. This isn't an isolated area or an isolated passage where we see one person prays and they fast. It's, it's all throughout Scripture. This discipline demonstrated in the lives of all those men and women who did great things for God. So let's look at a few of them today. Let's look at some biblical examples of praying and fasting in humility and in solitude. Like we will see in the life of Jesus, Moses, Moses was with the Lord. He was in the wilderness. He went up the mountain, you know the story. 40 days, 40 nights receiving the 10 commandments. Do you remember him climbing up the mountain of the Lord, receiving the instructions to give to the people who were at the bottom of the hill? Moses wasn't gone for just a few hours. <laughs> Moses removed himself from the people that he was leading for 40 days and for 40 nights. And they were, quite frankly, tired of waiting For Moses to come down, (laughs) they weren't very patient. While they were waiting on him, they decided that they were going to craft a golden calf. And so that's exactly what Moses comes back to. He's gone over a month and he comes back after just receiving the Word of God, receiving the commandments. And here these people are that he's been leading. Oh, how quick we are, how prone we are to wander. I don't know about you, but I read the story of Israel and I get quite frustrated with these people. But, you know, they say that the very thing that you don't like in others seems to be something that might be true about you, right? Something like that. And so they're impatient with him and he sees them worshiping this calf. He actually breaks the tablets. He's so upset at what he observes. Exodus 34, 28. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. I want to challenge you today to find a place where you can remove yourself from all the craziness, all the distractions of life and be alone with the Lord. You know, prayer and fasting requires humility. Last week we read this passage in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humility, and pray, seek my face, turn away from their wicked ways, I will then turn from heaven and I will heal their land. I said it last week. This this wasn't a passage. These weren't words for the unbelieving, for the unbelievers, those that didn't believe. These were words for the church. These were words for God's people. Israel. You need to turn away from your wicked ways. You need to humble yourselves. You need to pray. When you do these things, I'm going to, I'm going, to heal, I'm, going to, I'm going to hear you, and I'm not only going to hear you, but I'm going to heal you. Prayer and fasting requires confession. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession. Prayer and fasting requires confession. Prayer and fasting requires patience. While you wait on the Lord. How many of you know he's never early? He's never late. He's always right on time. But it's God's time. It's not your time. It's not my time. It's God's time. So confession needs to be present in our lives. Patience while we're waiting on the Lord. Prayer and fasting also requires Persistence. Persistence. Ezra eight twenty one through twenty three we read these words There by the Ahava Canal I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves, humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road. Because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. Isn't that a beautiful word today? To know that we have a God who protects us. We're praying and we're fasting for protection, for God's provision. He said, I, 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 I was ashamed to ask the king. Because I had already made this statement that the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him. But his anger, his great anger is against all who forsake him. Came across another verse this past week as I was just seeking the Lord and I've read this verse before many a times. But I I feel like this is a verse that's just really speaking to me where I am right now and I shared this verse with my family because as we're thinking about Melissa as we're thinking about you know what she's going through this verse just kind of like hit me right in the face we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you and the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him so we fasted. This is what Ezra says. So we, we fasted and we petitioned our God about this, and He answered our prayer. I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to pray and fast when petitioning the Lord. Nehemiah 1 3 through 9. They said to me, Those who survived the exile. And our back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days, I don't know how many days, but I know that it was more than one. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. The prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins. See that? Confession. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, and my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave to your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. I don't know about you, but I want to recruit others to pray and fast on my behalf. I want to recruit you to pray and fast on behalf of Melissa. And the needs that are in your life. That need that is just so great, that just is overwhelming to you. And you, you just say, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. That, I want to know about that. I want to pray and fast with you. Remember Esther? Esther four sixteen. Go gather together all the Jews, her and Susa. And she says, and fast for me. Fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. I know that you're praying for me, I know that you're fasting for me. And she says, and if I perish, I perish. But pray and fast for me. You know prayer and fasting may not return your desired results. And that might rock your world. Because there've been many people who said I was praying and I was fasting and I had faith and God didn't return the you know the desired results that I was hoping he would return. And this is why, like we talked about last week, this is why we pray the will of God be accomplished. Not my will be done, but your will be done. We think about David. Man after God's own heart. Psalm 35, 13 through 14. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth, and he says, and I humbled myself. You you see the connection? I humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me, Unanswered, I went about mourning as though for a friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. David understands when you're praying and you're fasting and you have faith and you're not receiving the the desired results that you were hoping for. Isaiah fifty-eight three through eight. When we, why have we fasted? Why have we fasted, Isaiah? Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? God, you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I've chosen? Only a day? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Mm-mm. We need to be praying and fasting to bring about societal change in our world. Amen? Goes on to say in verse 6 Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. I read a passage with Kelly this week. We we're sitting at the kitchen table. Remember when we, I, said, I showed you that verse? You know, if you're not going to take care of the needs of your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. Daniel 10.3. Actually, let me back up a minute. Daniel 9, 3 through 5. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and have done wrong. Humility. Confession. Confession. Praying, fasting, faith. Turning away from our wickedness. Holding on to the commands and the law of the Lord. Daniel 10.3 I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. In fact, there's a movement called the Daniel's Fast and it comes right from the book of Daniel. Many churches, and I was going to do it this year, look for it next year, it's going to happen next year, I wanted to just help us, baby steps, fasting. I didn't want to just start you off with a 21-day fast. But I've done several 21-day fasts. I mean, I've done juice fasts. It's hard. My body's screaming. My body's mad. I want my coffee! But I'll tell you, The times in my life when I've been fasting, there's been more clarity than any other time. More answered prayer than any other time. Closer to God than any other time. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Maybe it's you go without a meal, one meal. Maybe it's every Thursday or every Friday. we would pick a day during the week and say, you know what? For lunch or for breakfast or for dinner, I am not going to eat. And instead, I'm going to take that time, that 20 minutes, that 30 minutes, and I'm just going to get still and quiet before the Lord. I'm going to fast. During that time, I'm going to pray. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to believe that God hears me. I'm going to use that as a time to confess. You know what David said in Psalm sixty six eighteen, 18, and I think we would all do well to memorize this or to really get a hold of this. Do you remember when David took another man's wife, Bathsheba? Not only did he take another man's wife, but he had that man killed. And I, trouble, I have trouble with this, and I say, well, how can this guy be called a man after God's own heart, David? Because I know that's not in the heart of God. David came to a place, Psalm 51, where he said, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. But David said in Psalm 66, 18, he said, if I would have cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. How many of our prayers go unanswered because of cherished sin in our lives? And I know there's a lot of Places, there's a lot of churches that aren't even talking about sin anymore. (laughs) But if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. God isn't going to hear our prayers when we're holding on to sin in our lives. That's why we read, If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So it's cherished or it's confessed. Cherish sin or confess sin. David chose to confess it because he realized that he needed the Lord to hear him. Then we go to Jonah. You remember this guy? Jonah? The Ninevites, Jonah 3, 5 through 9, Jonah was told to go to a place called Nineveh and he decided that he was going to go in the opposite direction down to Joppa. God has a way of getting our attention. He was thrown overboard, long story short, swallowed by a big fish that carried him to Nineveh. (laughs) The Ninevites believed God. I wish that Jonah would have believed God when God first spoke to him. I wish he would have obeyed God. But he did things his own way. He eventually got to Nineveh, kicking and screaming. And once he got to Nineveh, He shared the message he was supposed to share, and it says the Ninevites believed God. It was crazy. You want to talk about a revival? This whole entire city believed God. There was a fast that was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, they put on sackcloth, and when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust, This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call, look at this, urgently, urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Joel 2.12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Make prayer and fasting a lifelong discipline. Luke 2.37, and then was a widow, a widow until she was 84 She never left the temple. Some of you are going to leave in a few minutes. She never left the temple. She lived in the temple. And it tells us that she was 84 and that she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Acts 14.23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And there were many more instances. I'm just skimming the surface. But we need to talk about Jesus. Because Jesus models for us what it means to be alone with the Father, what it means to fast, what it means to pray. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 4, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And so the tempter came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus said, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yet there's some people who've decided to make make their stomach, you know, make food their God. Jesus answered, It's written, you shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil takes Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see, even Satan knows scripture. Satan knows scripture. Jesus refers to Jesus says to the, to the enemy, to the tempter, to Satan, three different times, it is written, it is written, it is written. Do not test the Lord your God. Do not put him to the test. Last time, third time, devil takes him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the splendor, all this I'm going to give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But like the Israelites in the story of Moses, as Moses is fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, we see a people who are worshiping, not not our God, not Jehovah. We have a people, we see a people who are worshiping a golden calf, who have set up an idol for themselves. How many idols have we set up for ourselves? Church, it's time to Humble ourselves. It's time to confess. It's time to get alone with God. It's time to fast. It's time to pray. When you fast, don't make it don't make it obvious to others. We don't fast to call attention to ourselves, but rather to get the attention of our God. Let me say that again. We don't fast to say, "Look at me." We don't fast to call attention to ourselves. We fast to get the attention of God. So when you're, when you're making big decisions in your life, I want to challenge you, fast and pray when you're making decisions. When you're going up against disease, and you're desiring healing, fast and pray. James five fourteen through 15 says, Is anyone among you sick? Okay, this is what you do. Call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that's offered in faith is going to make the sick person well. The Lord's going to raise them up. Fast and pray when you are praying for deliverance. When strongholds got a hold of your life or got a hold of somebody else's life, I want to challenge you to fast and pray because we have a God. We have a God who is stronger than our strongholds. A God who can break the strongholds in our lives. Amen? goes on to say in verse 15 of James chapter 5, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess, <laughs> there it is again. Keep showing up, it's a common theme. Confession, humility, prayer, fasting, solitude, getting alone with God. Therefore confess your sins to each other. Wow, have you ever done that, church? Have you ever gone to somebody, said, I, I've sinned. Let me share with you my sin. More often than not, it's a shame. It's a shame that keeps us from coming out, getting real, being vulnerable. What are people going to do? What are people going to think? What are people going to say? You know what? If God knew everything I mean and he does, but if, if I should say, if people knew, people knew everything there was to know about you or me or any of us <laughs> We're all broken. We're all people who need a savior. We all struggle. We're in this together. But he says if you're going to confess your sins to each other, you're going to pray for each other so that you may be healed. It says that the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. As I close today, when you fast, Matthew six sixteen through 18, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, They disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you that they've received the reward in full. When you fast, put oil on your head. Wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I tell this closing story. It was a story. It was a parable. Jesus often taught in parables stories so that he could connect with his listeners. He tells a story about this Pharisee. Pharisee, The Pharisees were a religious group. They thought that they were better than everybody else. And they were. (laughs) I mean, as far as keeping the law to the T. They were the religious. And Jesus didn't die so that you could be religious. Jesus died so that you could have a relationship with God the Father. Amen? Moses laid down the law. Jesus laid down his life so that you could be free from the law of sin and death. So, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, which I'm assuming that they were all the religious, (laughs) Jesus tells this parable. He says that there were two men. They went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, imagine this, he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the tax collector. You ever pray like that? For some of us, the goal is just to be better than the next person. Just to be better than this guy or this girl. And I want, to, I want you to know again, I want to say it out loud, I want to burst the bubble if it's there we're no better than anybody else. No better than anybody else. But can you imagine, I mean, the standard is Jesus Christ. He's the standard. Nobody's better than Jesus. But he tells this story. He says there's two people praying. One's a a Pharisee. One's a tax collector. And this Pharisee begins praying. He says, thank you that I'm not like him. You that I'm not like other people. And then he starts listing these other people as if God doesn't know what he's talking about or God doesn't know his heart. (laughs) Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. (laughs) Thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. I can tell you what that's not that's not humility. We're proud when we think that we're better than anybody else or we're more deserving than anybody else. And then he goes on to say, I even fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. He was able to check off all (laughs) the boxes that sometimes we look to check off, right? Because for some, it's more of a duty than a delight. We think that God's keeping track, God's keeping record. Thank you, God, that when you look at me, you don't see me. You see right through me, and you see the person of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives in me. And he's responsible for all of my goodness. But the tax collector... But the tax collector stands at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven... But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, he went home justified that day before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So write it down. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. The prayers of the self-righteous are powerless and unheard. Gracious God, today we need you. We confess to you that we are sinners who need a Savior. We confess to you our pride our wickedness, our disobedience, trying to do life our own way, in our own strength. And we know that apart from you, we can't do anything. And so today, as we've talked about prayer and as we've talked about fasting, getting alone with you, getting honest and confessing our sins to you and to others, living lives, not just moments, but living lives of humility. We see all throughout your word people who prayed, people who fasted, people who confessed, people who were humble, people who were heard. And Today, God, we want to be heard. So, as I think about these disciples and what was missing in their lives and why they had the question, why couldn't we? We're given the answer. If we'll just have faith, small as a mustard seed, we'll humble ourselves and pray. We'll use our times of fasting to pray and to humble ourselves, and to confess to you our great need. And if we'll have faith that's just (laughs) the size of mustard seed, that you, Father God, will, you'll hear us, and you'll heal us. Help us today to be this kind of people. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.